1: The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.
2: Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On.
3: Democracy is at stake, and we have to have alliances of people that strongly disagree on everything but that fact.
2: Inflation's not
4: going to be a problem. Inflation will
2: moderate. Bloomberg Sound Off: Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. It would be insanity if the Democrats don't do something
5: on Build Back Better. Pennsylvania, one of the closest states in the 2020 election, will be critical for deciding which party controls the Senate after 2022.
2: Bloomberg, sound on with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio.
1: Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we head into this weekend with big questions about our economy and specifically the job market after today's big report. The implications for inflation and the risks posed by COVID add to an important conversation we will have with one of President Biden's top economic advisors, Brian Deese, director of of the National Economic Council will join us live to start the hour later the Biden administration's vaccine or test mandate goes before the Supreme Court we will bring you into the arguments today in Washington and discuss possible outcomes with Bloomberg's Greg Store. the panel is in place this Friday Bloomberg politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis with us to help make sense of it all President Biden addressed the nation after the jobs report was released this morning you heard him live Here on Bloomberg, the payrolls number again was about half the level expected, but the unemployment rate fell more than expected. And many of the internal data points were positive. Here's the president speaking earlier in the state dining room.
6: Today's national unemployment rate fell below 4% to 3.9%. The sharpest one-year drop in unemployment in United States history. The first time the unemployment rate has been under 4%. In the first year of a presidential term in 50 years pretty good development 3.9
1: percent elsewhere workforce participation essentially unchanged average hourly earnings up six-tenths of a percent the biggest increase since april leading to more worries about wage inflation we've been hearing about constantly on wall street and that is where we begin with brian deese director of the president's national economic council brian i want to thank you for taking time out of your friday for us happy to be here jeff our analysts at Bloomberg Economics write this jobs report likely will alleviate any lingering doubts on the part of more dovish FOMC members that the final hurdle for liftoff has been met. Are they right? Are we ready for liftoff?
5: Well, what I would say is that it's a report that caps off a historic year of economic recovery. You heard the president, 3.9 percent unemployment. That is a uh, historically Low level and uh, a historically rapid labor market recovery, uh, the strongest job recovery for any first year in a presidential uh, um, administration yeah. uh, in a half century, and I think it reflects the uh, the strength of the uh, underlying economy. We're seeing broadly economic growth um, coming in in the you know five to six percent range uh, for 2021 as well. So. I think we've made enormous progress from the crisis conditions that the economy was in a year ago. Uh, we still have a lot, uh, a long way to go um, uh, across a number of vectors. We still have challenges, but we are we have certainly made historic progress, and I think that's what's the main takeaway from this report.
1: Well, realizing you may not want to speculate on what the Fed will do, how would you describe this this stage of the job market if if we've met the final hurdle for liftoff? If, And if you don't mind me using that phrase, because I think it describes kind of where we are here, how close is this labor market, Brian, to getting back to where it was before the pandemic?
5: Well, we've made historic progress at a pace that very few thought was possible. So I think to put it in context, before we passed the American Rescue Plan at the beginning of 2021, most professional forecasters were suggesting that we would not get down to or below 4% unemployment until 2024, Mm -hmm. some beyond that. Uh, we've done that now uh, over a single year, so historic pace of progress. At the same time, uh, there are we are we are still still have you know uh, ground to make up, uh, including in particular sectors and demographics. There's still you know one and a half million uh, women uh, down in terms of labor force participation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have. Uh, Challenging sectors of the economy that have been affected by the by the pandemic, and so part of what is important about the pace of the recovery, and part of the president's economic strategy and the legislation that we've been able to put in place, is we need to continue this strong pace of growth so that we come out of this recovery uh, strong as well. So certainly, I think we are you know, we're making historic progress, but we got to continue that pace. But we still yeah. have to uh, keep it going to get the full benefits of a strong uh, labor market recovery across time.
1: I want to play something uh, that the president said today in his address from the White House about the debate over inflation. I know, Brian, you're asked about inflation every day. I ask you about it every time uh, we have an opportunity to speak, but he was using high car prices as an example here and how some people see rising wages as a threat. Here he is.
6: You're hearing them complain that wages are rising too fast among very middle class and working class people. Who have endured decades of stalled incomes. Their view of the economy says the only solution to our current future challenges is to make the working families that are the backbone of our country poor or keep them in the state they're in. It's a pessimistic vision. I reject it. I reject it. It It's a really
1: interesting moment of the address and of the speech today. Uh, Brian, maybe you wrote it even. We could have a whole senior seminar just on this <laughs> this 10-second moment. It sounds like a Main Street versus Wall Street question, but I'll ask it. How could everyone get high wages without causing massive inflation?
5: Well, I'm really glad that you highlighted that uh, particular segment because uh, you're right. It, it was an explicit and intentional choice by the president to try to make an argument about what we do now that we have seen this historically strong Labor market performance. And he has a very clear view, which is that in order to actually grow the economy, we need strong, sustainable growth that generates higher wages uh, and more job opportunities. And the way we do that is expanding the productive capacity of the economy, which means operating on the supply side of this economy yeah. and actually expanding uh, the uh, supply. So the answer to your question is look, before the pandemic, we operated for decades in a what I would call a low equilibrium, low growth, low wages, uh, low interest rates. And part of the reason why this president uh, ran for by uh, Joe Biden ran for president was uh, on an, an economic argument that we could do better than that, that we could have stronger growth uh, with wage increases and yeah. expanding the productive capacity of the, the economy in a way that was actually sustainable across time. We but know, if everyone came um, that,
1: back to work, Brian, we wouldn't still have this wage inflation, correct? Isn't that part of the issue that, that some people still haven't come back into the workforce and employers are paying more for talent?
5: Well, we, uh, as the president articulated today, we are uh, looking at, uh, at every way we can to get uh, Amer- Americans working. I would say that sure. a 3.9% unemployment rate and an increase in the employment-to-population ratio Uh, which Mm -hmm. we saw this month and we've seen over the course of 2021, um, is a signal that people are coming back uh, uh, into the labor market. We saw the largest increase in labor force participation in 2021 um, in a single year uh, in quite some time. But look, there are places, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, female labor force participation hasn't uh, returned to those pre-pandemic levels. And that's why you hear the president talking about um, very practical ways in which we can improve that. Lowering the cost of childcare will help more uh, parents uh, and women in particular actually get into uh, the labor market. Uh, we have a challenge of, uh, of people who are near retirement uh, who have left the labor force. Um, and, uh, and so as the labor market improves and there are more labor mar- uh, uh, job opportunities, mm-hmm. we are hoping to see more of them come in uh, to the labor force as well. Uh, but certainly, the president is articulating a vision that particularly for the low income part of the income distribution, wage increases are not something, as you said, it's a mainstream Wall Street view, are not something to be feared or something to be uh, right. to, to be scared of. Well, a lot said, of people think
1: it just it equates to inflation, right? Uh, Brian well, Deason, Sennari- I, thinking- I know we don't have a, a lot of time here. I'd love to ask you about the expanded child tax credit that has been interrupted. The next round of checks would have been going out in about a week without Build Back Better. Uh, being an imminent possibility. Is the White House considering alternatives to keep those payments going to families, or are, are you worried about what happens without them?
5: Well, just to be clear about what's happening with the child tax credit, the monthly payments for uh, for families' 2021 child tax credit were paid uh, through from July through the end of December. Those yep. families are still eligible for the remainder of their 2021 child tax credit. They have to file their tax returns, um, which they can do starting this month, and they will get the remainder of that child tax credit when they file their tax return. The question of how uh, we uh, continue the child tax credit, the enhanced child tax credit, uh, into uh, twenty the 2022 tax year and beyond um, is obviously something the president's very focused on. He has a clear view. He'd like to see it uh, extended, uh, and it is one of the issues that we are uh, trying to work through as we work the Build Back Better uh, legislation uh, through Congress. Uh, but it, it connects back to your broader point that you highlighted about the president's argument today. He believes that if we actually help working Americans see higher wages and have more money in their pocket, it will help to continue uh, this recovery going. And I think the academic literature supports that uh, that intuition, which is when you see wage increases at the low end of the income spectrum, mm-hmm. that's the least likely to to contribute to what you're referring to as a wage price spiral. And it's the most likely to actually uh, help to give people more uh, um, uh, consumption uh, uh, expenditures as well. So that's one one marker, we think, of a strong and durable recovery. And obviously, the Fed will operate independently, and we think they've got the tools to make sure price increases don't become entrenched. But from our perspective, we're looking at how can we actually expand economic growth? Uh, You know, call it a sort of progressive uh, supply-side view. How do we make our economy more productive rather than make our you know, uh, families uh, uh, poorer?
1: Well, lastly, Brian, when I had the opportunity to speak with you back in November uh, here on Bloomberg, uh, there was a belief the president might be ready to announce his nominees to fill empty seats on the Federal Reserve by early December. No one knows this more than you. A lot of us thought we might see the names this week or even today. Is, is the White House struggling to find the right people? We
5: are well um I think back in uh, back in november we were uh, we were talking about the uh, the chair uh, that's right and Lale uh, Brainerd
1: Stephen. it was and, that very day
5: and and uh, and and, uh, and we uh, we made those uh, we made those announcements at that point uh, we had, the president has three remaining uh nominees uh, for the board of governors of the Federal reserve we're uh, working hard on that issue i um, and have uh, spent a lot of time on it i i I, I don't think we're struggling um, I think we are being deliberate in that approach and i We anticipate we'll have more to say about that issue uh, shortly.
1: Shortly. Brian, appreciate it. As always, Brian Deese, director of the White House National Economic Council. The busy man. And you're not going to hear a conversation like this anywhere else with the president's top economic advisor. Brian, thank you and have a great weekend. Coming up, we assemble the panel. Rick and Jeannie are on the way. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.
0: Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large size companies like yours to easily manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.
2: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio.
1: No Fed picks today. As we just heard from White House economic advisor Brian Deese, they're working hard on it and expect to have something soon. And so we turn the page on another week. Maybe that's the the lineup for next week as the president travels as well to make the case for voting reform, also at least alluded to on the calendar. Fascinating conversation, though, with Brian Deese. Shortly was the word. He said shortly, not soon. Do we have a metric for shortly? Of course, we did think that we'd get these names early December, and there's been reports. My gosh, if you listen to this program, you probably know the short list already. But we'll see them when we find out, of course. And want to assemble the panel with Rick and Jeannie on a Friday. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Shortly, Jeannie. What do you think is taking so long on these picks? We talked about a lot of different issues that I'll ask you about, but this particular one doesn't seem to want
7: to go away. It doesn't. And, you know, it's hard to tell whether the names being floated over the last couple of weeks were trial balloons and they are hearing, you know, some Mm -hmm. qualms about some of those. That could be it. I also think this week was not the week that they would have announced it, given yesterday was January 6th. The president made a very important speech today, obviously, a Friday. Back in the day, this used to be a quiet news day. Maybe they didn't Mm -hmm. want to step on that. So, you know, I was predicting maybe Monday until you talked to Brian Deese, and now I'm not so sure that constitutes (laughs) shortly. So <laughs> Maybe
1: not. Rick Davis, you've done your share of vetting uh, over the years. Uh, is that what this is? You're, you're doing background checks. You're running through interviews with people. Maybe somebody you wanted doesn't turn out to be a possibility when you consider the confirmation process.
4: Yeah, I I really think this is not one of those situations that uh, 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 you're just alluding to, which is like, hey, let's vet these guys out publicly and see how it shakes out. Uh I mean, you really don't want to back off of a Fed pick, right? I mean, this is all about markets and stability and... And so, like, if it leaks out that you've got Raskin, Cook, and Jefferson in the queue, you you kind of want to make good on that. That's right. And, and unless something comes up. And, and frankly, these things take time because you've got to run them all through FBI background checks and things like that. And those are the kinds of things that can trip you up after you've already leaked the fact that you're mm-hmm. looking at these folks. And so mm-hmm. it's it's hard to imagine why it's taken this long. It's even harder to imagine the reaction you got from Brian Dees, which was totally noncommittal <laughs> on like when we're going to see these, yes. these, these appointments made shortly, shortly, a few couple, I don't know how you, you know, where do you go with that? And, uh, but uh, he wasn't going to get, uh, stuck on predicting. And as I said the other day, when you tried to nail me down on when these <laughs> things were coming out, I said, no way. <laughs> so I'm on yep. Brian Dees' side on this yep. one.
1: He got that one as usual. Rick was right. Uh, I want to hear from both of you on the president today is coming off of the January 6th stuff, uh, but he had to speak to the nation about this report. It was a carefully written speech once again, and highlighted the lower unemployment rate as opposed to the headline, you know, payroll number that came up short, but he was really leaning into this once again, addressing critics as we discussed with Brian Deese and said this as well. Here's the president again from this morning.
6: Today, America is the only leading economy in the world WHERE THE ECONOMY AS A WHOLE IS STRONGER THAN BEFORE THE PANDEMIC. NOW I HEAR REPUBLICANS SAY TODAY THAT uh, MY TALKING ABOUT THIS STRONG RECORD SHOWS THAT I DON'T UNDERSTAND. I DON'T UNDERSTAND. A LOT OF PEOPLE ARE STILL SUFFERING, THEY SAY. WELL, THEY ARE. OR THAT I'M NOT FOCUSED ON INFLATION. malarkey. THEY WANT TO TALK DOWN THE RECOVERY BECAUSE THEY VOTED AGAINST THE LEGISLATION THAT MADE IT HAPPEN.
1: Malarkey, he says, Jeannie Uh, calling out the skeptics here, calling out Republicans uh, by name or at least the party by name here. Is, Is this the new sort of turn into a midterm election year where every time we get good news, it also comes with that?
7: That's right, and you know malarkey, very much in keeping with the way Joe Biden likes to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know, I, I think for for Democrats uh, prior to the pandemic, many people said Donald Trump could not be beat because the economy was incredibly strong. The pandemic upended that to a certain extent, and I think you see the president here trying to make the case that since he's taken over, the economy has recovered much more quickly than many economists predicted. And I think that's something they are going to try to run on here. Of of course, what he didn't talk about, in addition to those uh, li- those lower unemployment numbers, was the inequalities that persist, particularly as you talked about with your interview with Brian, for women and black and 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 black workers, black mm-hmm. Americans. Those are two issues that the president is also going to talk about because he's going to say this supports what we what we want to do with Build Back Better. So I think those are things we're going to hear going forward.
1: Rick, did you didn't come up with no malarkey, but it was no straight talk express. We're all aware of that right
4: yeah he was laying down the gauntlet with these republicans <laughs> saying hey my economy is just as good as donald trump's was if not better and uh refer to and-
1: the markets too he says look we are 20 percent in the last year record after record even as we try to take care of of lower income americans uh but is he doing the right thing here rick do you, are we going to endure a year of that
4: yeah. I, well, I, honestly, I don't think you can say it enough. I mean, this is an administration that has spent little time or had the opportunity to spend little time talking about the economy. I mean, it's been COVID, it's been international problems, you know, Russia, China, uh, Afghanistan. I mean, they've been tied up in a very bad cycle of communication challenges. And the reality is elections are about the economy and and if they don't start talking about the economy more and changing people's perspective on this administration's uh, administration of that economy uh they're going to take it in the shorts in the uh in the in the midterms and he's got he's got a record to run on uh obviously he's got to pay some attention to inflation but now is the time
1: rick and Jeannie are with us for the hour we'll rejoin the panel in a bit coming up the president's vaccine or test mandate for employers goes before the Supreme Court. Arguments heard this morning in Washington, and we'll talk about it coming up with Bloomberg Supreme Court reporter Greg Store here on the Fastest Hour in Politics. Fascinating arguments will bring you in the room. On Sound On, I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The stat I read today in Greg Storr's story on the terminal blew me away because I hadn't seen it for so long. The CDC says only 62% of the country is fully vaccinated. We're still at 62%. Just 35% of people have received a booster shot. We thought we'd be way beyond 62% by now. And it informs the whole debate happening around the president's vaccine or test mandate. The OSHA rule that came before the Supreme Court today, it would require companies with 100 employees or more to mandate vaccines or get regular testing. Right, for employees. The challenge by 26 business groups is led by the National Federation of Independent Business. They say OSHA is overstepping its authority, basically in part because Congress did not authorize the agency to do this. Scott Keller is an attorney for the Federation. Here he is in an exchange earlier today with Justice Sonia Sotomayor.
5: Congress would have to clearly state in a statute if it wanted to give an occupational health agency the power to require employees to get certain medical treatment. It's one thing to say. There's
7: no requirement here. It's not a vaccine mandate. It's something totally different. And I don't know how much clearer than 651 Congress could have been. It charges OSHA with developing innovative methods, techniques, and approaches to dealing with occupational occupational safety and health issues. I don't know how much clearer you can be if you're Congress.
1: Getting to the heart of the issue here, according to some, we bring in Bloomberg Supreme Court reporter Greg Store to talk this out. Greg, thank you for joining us. It's great to have you back here. As I read through your piece, it's important to remind people there are two different rules here. right? One is the employer rule. This is for private employers. And there's a separate rule that would require shots for workers in nursing homes, or other facilities, as you write, that receive Medicare and Medicaid payments from the government. But this will be a single ruling?
3: Well, we don't know for sure. It uh, could well be two rulings. They are two very different cases, two different statutes that govern the agencies that issue the rules. So so we might get two different rulings.
1: That uh, separate group, 27 states challenging the OSHA rule, say it interferes with states' rights as well. This is the one led by Ohio uh, with states' rights to make their own vaccine policies. You know, at one point, we've been talking about this for so long, Greg, I think some people think this is already in effect, actually, because some companies have gone ahead and done this on their own. But what is the actual question that the justices are seeking to answer here?
3: The actual question is whether this law can or whether this rule can go into effect, uh, whether OSHA can start to uh, enforce this rule against companies that aren't. Uh, moving to either get their employees vaccinated or require that they either get vaccinated or, or get regular tests and, and wear masks in the workplace. Uh, right now, that is, is optional for companies. Some companies, as you said, do that. There are still many, many companies that don't. And the reason the business groups are challenging this is they say it would be uh, very expensive and, and burdensome uh, and would cause a lot of workers to quit
1: conservative justices skeptical, the heart of your story.
3: Yeah, very much so. And that includes the Chief Justice John Roberts, who yeah. we often think of as being somewhere in the middle. But he is, of course, a Republican appointee and generally a conservative uh, person who who doesn't believe the federal government should uh, exceed its authority. And that's the core issue here, is whether Congress gave Uh, OSHA in one case and CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid. uh, In the other case, uh, whether Congress gave those two agencies the authority to issue this sort of thing. Uh, In both cases, they're kind of broadly worded statutes, especially broadly worded in the case of OSHA. And the conservative justices uh, have a tendency not to want federal agencies to to overstep their bounds.
1: A lot of questions about enforcement uh, today, Greg. How would that be
3: handled? Well, OSHA um, would be, uh, says it wouldn't actually start um, issuing citations to, to employers until February. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the business groups say it would be very difficult for them to, to come up with plans to make sure that they're meeting the requirement, that they have you know, testing procedures in place for people who don't want to get vaccinated, that they have systems for uh, making sure that, uh, that, uh, you know, for verifying that people have gotten their vaccines. um, That's one of the issues in the cases that until this, you know, starts to go into effect, it's hard to say uh, exactly how burdensome it will be. And of course, once it goes into effect, uh, the damage, if if that's how you view this, has already been done.
1: Would there be like a spot inspection, though, or something? Hey, OSHA's here, grab your vax cards. Or or would companies be required to submit uh, that data by a, by a certain deadline?
3: You, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to duck that question because I don't yeah. fully know the answer. And I it don't
1: may not be determined me. yet. Um, interesting, by the way, the irony is not lost on me that the two lawyers opposing the Biden rules, as you point out, Solicitor General uh, from Ohio, Solicitor General from Louisiana, both were on the phone today because they have COVID.
3: Yeah, they, the court has a rule that lawyers arguing are supposed to take a COVID test the day before a PCR test. Um, and both of those lawyers did... Uh, The lawyer from Ohio, the Solicitor General there, apparently tested positive back uh, closer to Christmas. uh, And a spokesperson said that uh, that he still tested positive uh, yesterday. And uh, Louisiana, they didn't explicitly say that's what happened, that there was a positive test. But they did say that the lawyer uh, didn't take part because of the court's COVID protocols.
1: Okay, got you. Uh, At one point, Justice Alito today was asking, like, God, we've got hundreds of of documents here, all this business. Can you at least give us a few days to consider this. I figured it would be at least a few days, Greg. When do you expect to find out?
3: Well, it's a, it's a good question, and I'm certainly wondering whether we could even get something as early as today. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing Justice Alita was talking about was an administrative stay, which is designed to be, um, hey, we're not you know saying one way or the other which way we're leaning, but we're just holding everything in place while we have more time to, to, to think this through. Uh, that that is at least a possibility that he raised during the argument uh, and you know if, if indeed the court as sort of seemed was the case and the argument is leaning towards blocking this rule there yeah. may be a real incentive among the the conservative justices to go ahead and do that quickly
1: fascinating is there a reason for that though is there more are there more documents than usual to to go through here or more issues to consider well,
3: than this a, whole a typical case, case? This, this whole case is unusual it, the the OSHA rule is uh, you know, there's, there are tens of thousands of pages of, of yeah. administrative record that, that they could need to go through. But this so whole case has happened very, very quickly. This is not a case where they had the benefit of full briefing. And once they consider a case, it's, it's really just a matter of a couple of weeks.
1: Greg Story, you do a great job. As always, thank you for being with us. Bloomberg Supreme Court reporter with us on Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.
0: Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid to large size companies like yours to easily manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.
2: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio.
1: OSHA says the vaccine or test mandate that was before the Supreme Court today would have saved more than 6,500 workers' lives over the course of six months if it had been implemented. And as we heard from Bloomberg's Greg Store a few minutes ago, the conservative justices were skeptical today of this requirement. Hard to tell which way the court goes, though either way will have huge implications for the Biden administration, and largely for Democrats in a midterm election year. Let's reassemble the panel for more with Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shenzano and Rick Davis. Rick, could you see this court upholding this rule?
4: Uh, I think it's, it's likely not to. Um, yeah. They've they expressed a lot of skepticism around it. Uh, I would say the one thing that's probably in the back of their minds, if not the forefront of their minds, is what you just mentioned, which is how do you get around the fact that— um, It looks like if they rule against the 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 rules by OSHA and Mm -hmm. and Medicare and Medicaid, that they're actually not doing what they can to avoid loss of life. And I think that may be one of the most compelling arguments the government made today. Jeannie,
1: it is something to consider here. There there are going to be wide ranging implications either way this happens. If the court does strike this down. What does that mean for the Biden administration's attempt to beat this virus?
7: It's going to have a big negative impact on the administration and also most importantly on the loss of life and people getting ill and potentially the economy as a whole. That said, this is the same court that has upheld state vaccine mandates almost across the board since the pandemic began. So the real issue in this case was number one about how broad this mandate was. You know, OSHA, I think it's a little different than Medicare, Medicaid one, Mm -hmm. as Greg talked about, but the real question here is what the court often has to think about which is who gets to decide. They believe the police powers in this country reside at the state level. When the state makes these mandates, they're likely to upheld them. But because they feel that this was broadly issued by the federal government, that's where the rub is for these conservatives. And I sure. think that's why they are probably going to knock it down and say, if you want these mandates, that's fine. Get them through the states.
1: Well, is there is there a world in which... The Biden administration goes back to Congress for some legislation on this, Rick, or am I just being funny now?
7: You know, I I think
4: there could be an attempt to try and uh, if there's if the court rules against them to go back to Congress and say, okay, you know, the court said we needed explicit congressional approval for this. Um, Write a law. The term, you know, vaccine mandates needs to be in the law. And 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 I can see why they would want to fight that fight. It's a it's probably a positive fight for them, you know, with the public. So, uh, sure, I think that that could be one of the results of this uh, very easily.
1: In terms of the uh, the midterm election cycle here, though, and just the Republican narrative genie about Democrats here trying to tell you how to live your life, uh, either way, uh, it seems like Republican candidates can get fuel out of this if it's upheld. You say, okay, look, here you go again with liberals uh, trying to run your life, another overbearing, uh, another overreach in the name of COVID. If it's struck down. Republican candidates can say, we told you this was un-American. Now look at Joe Biden. He can't even get this past the Supreme Court here. Doesn't this end up with a positive narrative for Republicans either way?
7: I think they're going to try to make it that way. But I think there is an important argument for the Democrats and the Biden administration to make. And that is our number one claim when we came into office was we were going to beat this pandemic. We were going to keep you alive. We were going to get the vaccine through. We were going to get get the testing done. And we are doing that despite being thwarted at every step, including by a very conservative trump now led supreme court so they can respond to that and i think it works to democrats advantage actually just as the case of potentially when this court if it sides with mississippi in the abortion case Mm -hmm. these are things that will frighten democrats and get democrats Mm -hmm. out to vote in a year they aren't really going to be energized to vote so democrats can use this as well
1: which way does it cut in a midterm election cycle rick if you're a republican candidate which outcome helps you
4: you know, I, it's hard to tell. Um, uh, I mean, the politics around COVID has been swirling around on a partisan basis. Uh, uh, I think that it's just a, it, it could be a base issue, right? Mm-hmm. Republicans uh, in a primary cycle will, will want to obviously uh, cater to the base and, and the base wants uh, to not have these mandates, but I would say too part of what complicates this is many companies have already implemented this. Right, companies can do whatever they want with their employees along this line, and uh, and and so it's not a clear cut case of uh, whether or not the public uh, acceptance of this is 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 political because big companies like United Airlines and others have already implemented m- m- many of these vax mandates. So, I-, I think it's actually a little confusing. I can't imagine there's a win loss politically at uh, mm-hmm. a primary level uh, either in the Democratic or the Republican parties and too soon to tell, I think uh, with the scourge of the vaccines or scourge of the the covid still out there, where will it be in November? Is it going to be on top of people's minds as it is today? I don't know.
1: Yeah. There's also the matter of defining vaccinated at this point, Jeannie. Now we're already talking about whether we're going to need a, another booster and have the requirement of four shots. Uh, some vaccine requirements for restaurants, for instance, will, will require three shots, evidence of a booster. I mean, at this point, doesn't all this need to be written in?
7: It it does. I I will tell you, this to me is the biggest challenge or one of the biggest challenges the administration is facing right now. And that are the that is the confusing messages that are coming out. As you mentioned, one example being what constitutes being vaccinated? Is it now three? Are we talking four? What types of masks are we supposed to be using? When do you have to get tested to be out of quarantine? All of these questions swirling around. And of course, the CDC's communication efforts have been less than stellar. And the Biden administration really has got To get their hands on that or because it is confusing you ask people what are the latest requirements and people throw their hands up
1: well i wonder if you see a a different ruling coming down on on these two separate cases rick one about private employers which uh which might be a little bit more clear when it comes to nursing homes and facilities getting federal funding is that not a different scenario to rule on
4: well there's certainly a long history of um, the government federal government requiring uh, especially uh, first responders and others to adhere to certain rules because they do accept Medicare and Medicaid funds. So mm-hmm. uh, I do think there's much more of a link to uh, a legitimate federal role uh, in, in, in that part of the ruling than, than exists, obviously, uh, with the general workforce of uh, uh, companies over 100 employees. Uh, so... Uh, I, I think that the, the court could split the baby on this one and, 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 and side with the government on, the, on the, the use of personnel in Medicare and Medicaid-funded establishments. Plus, these are higher-risk places like nursing homes and things like this, so they can avoid looking like they're, they don't care about the health care or death rates associated in those places and, and could actually uh, uh, and uphold the, the mandates there.
1: Spending time with Rick and Jeannie on a Friday. You can go ahead and pour the beverage. We only have a couple of minutes left here to the fastest hour in politics. And then we're on the weekend, if I can say that out loud. One of the big stops in the road next week will be the confirmation hearings uh, for Jay Powell, Lale Brainerd, Jeannie. I don't know how newsy this is going to be since they seem to be uh, widely believed uh, to be confirmed, but does it lead to a whole other conversation and a lot of questions about the seats yet to be filled, as we discussed earlier this hour?
7: It very well could. I think it will be newsy for everybody that listens to Bloomberg. They will be fascinated to hear it. And, <laughs> no. and I have to tell as you, as opposed to
1: normal people, <laughs> as
7: opposed to normal people, I have to tell you, I am really looking forward to the con to the conversations in terms of what the Fed's mandate should be and and when they are overstepping that. Obviously, with with these two nominees, that's you know uh, we know where they stand on some of this. But I, as we go forward, that's what I'm excited about. But I do think it's going to raise questions about again, what did Brian mean when he? said shortly and when yeah, are right. we going to get those not those nominations and you know how will how will they be received particularly uh, you know you talk about somebody like sarah bloom raskin mm. and we haven't talked about this yet but of course there are the politics of the fact that she is married to jamie raskin who led the impeachment against Fair donald enough. trump That's so right. a, you know a very qualified candidate but it is uh, you know going to be fascinating to hear how republicans handle her nomination if she is nominated <laughs>
1: So do these hearings uh, just become a big interview session about the shortlist, Rick?
4: You know,
7: I don't think so. I mean,
4: typically, uh, it's it. you don't normally see senators debating people who haven't yet been appointed. Uh, they don't like to have egg on their face if the appointment doesn't happen and they Got just it. wasted their five minutes. I would say inflation is going to be the superstar of this hearing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not up for confirmation, but it's the topic that everybody cares about. And and every senator I've talked to, that's all they want to talk to these guys about is what are you doing about inflation? They're gonna give them their ideas on what to do about inflation. They're gonna to wanna to know what the administration's doing that affects yeah. inflation. And and, and you're gonna hear that word over and over and over again between now and the midterm elections.
1: Is this like on the level of grandstanding recording a lot of midterm election ads
4: or, or a more intellectual approach, Rick? All of the above. Okay. Intellectual and campaign doesn't need to be mutually exclusive.
1: Voting rights also on the list for next week. President Biden will travel uh, to Georgia to make the case for voting rights reform. Jeannie, we've talked this up and down already this week. Doesn't seem he has the votes to do that, to carve out the filibuster to get it done. Can he change anything?
7: I don't know that he can change that, but it's going to be a big conversation if this midterm is about getting your base out. This is what the base wants to hear about. And he's going to go down to Georgia, the center of it all, and he's going to fight for this. So I think it's going to be an important speech by the president next week.
1: You'll hear it on Bloomberg. We'll talk about it here with the panel. Great to spend another week with Rick and Jeannie, our signature panel on Bloomberg Sound On. You guys have a great weekend as always, and we'll meet you back here on Monday. On the fastest hour in politics. Could be a newsy week next week. We're here either way for you. And look forward to seeing you then. Enjoy your weekend. We'll check traffic and markets on the way. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.